I'm Paul Comfort, and welcome to a special edition of Transit Unplugged. Today is the first of our new quarterly editions on mobility innovations, special programs focused on mobility innovations from around North America and around the world. And today we travel to Denmark and we look at a new mobility model being practiced by a group called Flex Denmark. Of course, Denmark is a country in Scandinavia with about 6 million residents. The major public transportation systems there began to evaluate innovation efficiencies in providing public transit over 20 years ago. Human service, medical assistance, and disability transportation providers were sending multiple vehicles to the same location to pick up passengers headed in the same direction. To deal with uncoordinated inefficient silo thinking in the demand response offerings in the country, they decided to attempt to better coordinate these services. In addition, fixed route bus services were providing coverage routes to more rural areas without much ridership. To tackle this costly inefficiency, the agencies decided to create flexible demand response routes for both the general public and for school children. And then over a decade ago, the five major transit systems in the country of Denmark banded together to create a demand response transit cooperative to create even more efficiencies and share resources. In 2011, they named their cooperative Flex Denmark, billed as a nationwide demand response transit service. I traveled to Denmark recently to find out for myself how this new model works. And I spoke to Per Bo Christensen, who's the CEO of Flex Denmark, and also with Thomas Oster, who's the managing director of the local public transit authority in Aalborg. They both told me about the system, how it works, and you'll hear it all today on this special edition of Transit Unplugged. What does it mean to be a successful public transit agency? What are you doing to lead the way? It's time to learn from the top transit professionals in North America. This is Transit Unplugged with your host, Paul Comfort. I'm Paul Comfort. Welcome to Transit Unplugged, where we reach out to transit CEOs across the world to find out what's happening in their neck of the woods. And on this first episode, we're going to be covering transportation innovations. And I'm in Denmark today, in Aalborg, Denmark, and I am with the CEO of the local transit system and the CEO of the National Flex Denmark program. We're going to be talking to them about how this program got started and what it is that makes them so special and unique, how they're able to work and blend five transit systems in a country all working together hand in glove for the most cost-efficient, safe, and reliable transit possible for their residents. So first, I'm going to talk to Thomas Oster. Thomas, you're the CEO of the local transit system. Tell us a little about yourself and about your system here in this north part of uh, Denmark. Yes, as you say, my name is uh, Thomas. I'm the, uh, as you say in Denmark, you would say the managing director okay. of the PTA for the north north uh, Jutland region. This is an area of about 600,000 inhabitants. Uh, I have been within public transport for quite a few years. First time now being on the on the sort of public sector side of it. Okay. Uh, up here, I think big challenges that we have besides just having what you call regular scheduled transport is, of course, that whole demand responsive, which is an area we look increasingly into, especially to cater one of the biggest challenges we have in a region like ours, which is the whole exchange between city urban connotations and especially outside in the regional context. We have a lot of citizens uh, living out in the regions here. And so it was maybe 20 years ago that the region started to get together and work together. 
Is that what happened? Or how did you end up with this Flex Denmark concept? Well, I think it's a very, very long story to end up with that. But basically, you could say 20, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, there was an idea to try and see how can we somehow bundle, combine some of the existing services out there to create not only a more efficient setup, but also more customer-friendly setup. So be closer to the customer, but at the same time, of course, also have a more cost-efficient solution. And you're providing transportation, not just public transportation, but you're doing medical transportation, passenger transportation for people with disabilities, right? I mean, it's covering lots of different subcategories. Is that right? It's a big portfolio of what you could call, basically a large portfolio split in two main sections. One is regular scheduled traffic, and the other is the, the flex traffic, which Pierre here is basically overseeing an, on a national level, mm-hmm. which consists then again of a large portfolio ranging from, as you say, medical services, transports to and from hospitals, elderly people, people with disabilities, but also an inner open, more demand responsive setup as, as we increasingly see in public transport markets today. So uh, before I go and talk to Pierre, I want to ask you uh, about the structure of Flex Denmark. I mean, you as the general manager of the local transit system here, you all are kind of owners of this. You've all joined together to create uh, a flexible, cooperative environment for this to happen. Can you tell us any more about that? Yeah, basically, you could say we have five, five, we have six PTAs sort of in Denmark, but five very large PTAs, and they have essentially just said, Let's make two plus two equal five. Okay. Uh, let's bundle our things and try and see if we can work together on a nationwide level with these uh, on-demand uh, systems. And uh, we have then jointly ownership of this Flex Denmark system. Uh, and as in my capacity as an MD of one of the local PTAs, I then sit at the board of directors of the Flex Denmark system as well. Gotcha. Very good. Well, then let's switch over and talk to Pierre then. Pierre, tell us about yourself a little bit and about Flex Denmark itself. Yeah, well, I'm, uh, I'm Pierre, obviously. I'm uh, the managing director of uh, Flex Denmark. And uh, we are placed in the northern part of Jutland, close to, to Thomas, who just spoke before. And Thomas is the managing director of, of, uh, of the PTA. And we're having a close relationship with NT, where Thomas sits, and the other PTAs of, in Denmark, as uh, Thomas just spoke of. So each of them operate their own fixed route transit. But then at some parts of the day, the flexed, Tell us about how all that works. Yeah. Well, our main task is to deliver services and system services for, for the PTAs to require their, or to meet their requirements uh, with their trips to their customers, which are the municipalities and the regions in Denmark. Everything is uh, governed by uh, legislation. The services that the municipalities are giving the uh, PTAs to, to deliver the services. So the Flex, Flex Denmark is working on the demand response side, right? Yeah. Not the fixed route. So we just uh, left a, a long meeting where we talked about this in detail, but maybe you could walk us through kind of the practicality about how it works. How does Flex Denmark actually work? The, the merging of the trips and one region kind of dispatches for everybody at certain times of the day and just kind of walk us through that. Yeah. Well, very briefly, we uh, have about uh, 5.7 million trips a year which is handled by, by the systems that uh, you provide us as well. It's uh, the Planet system. Every day, it's about 15,000 uh, trips that are managed through the system, planned and uh, executed by uh, local... Uh, contractors? Sh- contractors, yeah, and chauffeurs uh, that drive the different kind of system citizens around to the destinations. Right. And then what is the flexible part? Tell us about that. How is it flexing? Is flexing back and forth between... 
you all are managing basically the demand response for the five regions, right? Yeah. And we have uh, different kind of trips that are managed together or put together in different kind of, of, of vehicles. So different kind of, of citizens can be transported in the same vehicles to different kind of targets or different kind of destinations uh, where they're going. Everything is planned and uh, executed through, through the system uh, and uh, it's serviced through our call center and every, service, every call center in, in, the, in the, every PTA. I think it's interesting and unique. Maybe you can talk to how that, so you've got 150 vehicles here in the northern part that, that is part of this program. You want to talk about how that works? It's private contractors or small groups, and they have all their vehicles kind of. I have 150 operators. That's good. Okay, so yeah. Not many yeah. more vehicles. Okay. Many more vehicles. Oh, okay. Basically, the whole, the whole setup, as Pierce said, we have the flexible system there. All the different vehicles operating in that system are also subject to tender. So we procure and tender that uh, on an annual basis. And that means that right now within that on-demand setup, so excluding the whole fixed route setup that I also have, we have 150 different operators in this, just in this region here. I think on a nationwide level, we have about between five and 600 operators. Yeah. So operating like 5,000 vehicles, right? Or something they, like they that. They will operate that and at different yeah. levels. Some right. will be smaller family businesses. Some will be larger Taxi operators as such operating pools of three, four hundred vehicles. And so if I'm a citizen who doesn't live on a regular bus route in a downtown area, I call a number for Flex Denmark or how does that work? And then you have a door-to-door service for me? I think the important thing here, you, you say downtown area. We don't really see this as a downtown area kind of thing. That's just a part of it. Okay. But, but nowadays when people speak demand responsive, they have a tendency to speak about urban connotations and very sort of almost make it a buzzword to think about demand responsive in an urban urban context. But I think the, the vast majority and what we have and what has really been a success for our model here is really the regional one. Because in the regions back in the days, many more scheduled bus services than we have today. Those buses are not coming back. So there we are increasingly looking for more demand responsive solutions. Some would be Pierce Business here delivering point-to-point services really. So you would have a flexible, on-demand taxi vehicle picking you up at A, point A, and dropping you off at point B, all door-to-door. But increasingly, we're also looking to find on-demand solutions that can then be a feeder system into the existing scheduled mass transport things that we have operating as well here. So it's, it's testing a lot of different new ground as well. Yeah, so one of the things I think is so powerful about what you were telling me earlier was that you might used to have several people at a hospital all have different taxi cabs coming to pick them up, taking them back to the same area. And that was an inefficient use of resources. Uh, we have the same thing in the United States. We have multiple layers of transportation. We have adult daycare centers. We have medical assistance transportation. We've got ADA paratransit. And they might all be coming to the same facility, and they often do, and pick up different clients and then take them all back. And you're paying each of those vehicles when you could send one van to pick them all up. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what you're doing into this flexible service, right? Yeah, it is. And we have uh, a lot of these uh, types of transportation, a lot of, uh, of, uh, of uh, patients transported to hospital and uh, back. Well, it's about nearly half of, of the trips uh, together, all together a year, I think. And then there's the, the trips that provides the, the needs for, for the people living in the rural areas. They also uh, have the the needs for, for being transported. And that's also a political issue because you want to maintain people living in rural areas. Right. So uh, one of the means doing that is to deliver 
the transportation for them to, to come to the different kind of, uh, of activities they want to, to travel to. Right. You were mentioning also earlier how that uh, the routes, maybe there used to be fixed route bus service out to not as densely populated areas. And so you weren't getting the productivity. And so those routes have gone away. And now this is kind of like a flexible route system where it really meets the demand of the passenger. You're not just running what we call a coverage service, running a, running a bus every hour with maybe two people on it doesn't make any sense. So like you said, this approach seems to solve a lot of problems all with one one approach, and we haven't talked about it, but don't you also transport school children? Yeah, we do. Yeah, talk about that a little bit, how that works. Yeah, well, uh, it's practically the same. You have a lot of uh, school children that needs to go to school, so they can be uh, dispatched to, to a solution to, to take the public bus fare to go to school if they live around in that area where you, you ha- can do that. That gives them a lot of possibilities to, to come to school, and uh, I think there's, uh, I don't know how, exactly how many bus transportations of, of school kids or flex route taxis uh, driving with school kids. Maybe you know that, Thomas? Uh, I don't know by hand. No. Yeah. No. Are there are there school buses, regular buses assigned to the schools there's, as well? School buses as well, yeah. Okay. Very good. Which is also delivered by the PTAs. And then um, we haven't talked about this much yet either. So the ideas that you've enunciated, I think, are awesome. And then the other kind of cool thing about your system is that uh, in the evenings, weekends, or less travel times, you may not have dispatch at the five different cities. One place handles all the dispatch. Is that what you're doing here at your headquarters? Yeah. And when does that occur, and how many people do you have involved in that, those kind of things? About 60, 65 employees. Not full-time employees, but uh, when it's the most, or at the peak hours, uh, there will be about 25 people uh, managing the whole country. And that's all the demand response trips? Yeah. So is that like overnight and on weekends kind of a thing? Or is that's, that... that's after opening hours, uh, after office hours. Right, and right, weekends, yeah. yeah. And, and you're running that right from here for the whole country? Yeah. That's a lot to manage. It is. Yeah. We like to think that we are, we are very efficient. And uh, I think we also succeed. We uh, have a lot a higher success rate uh, in managing the trips and uh, not very much go wrong. And how is this all paid for? I mean, do each of you like contribute each of the five major transit systems contribute to the overall cost of running Flex Denmark? Like with everything public transport wise, there isn't an easy answer to any of this. That's so right, it's, yeah. it's a mixed financing model as well. But you could say basically with the Flex Denmark system here, which is this central organization, each sort of set up by the by the by the PTAs, it's basically a pay-as-you-go model, you can say in many ways. Okay. So so we pay as we utilize the the central system here so like on a per trip basis or basically you said how much how many trips you are and then your allocation to what administration you will have here is really allocated in that respect so everybody it's a fair model for everybody does the national denmark government contribute to that as well not directly okay no but you could say public transport like most other places is also financed uh by tax tech money here. Right. So, but not from centrally fund. Typically here, public transport is financed through the municipals okay. and through the regional authorities that we have as well. Very good. And so you've been here through a lot of this. You said you were in the private sector as well as the public sector. How successful do you think this model is kind of putting on the hat of your of the local transit CEO, but also having a lot of experience in the industry. Is this a successful model? And what key performance indicators are you looking at that show that? No, but I think uh, you being here speaking to us is as well as a testament of the success of this. Yes. We've had the senior citizen uh, organization. Yeah, AARP. I read ARP about it. They had an article in there. Yeah. Come here yeah. to look at it as well. So, yeah. 
and I think it's it's one of those things that Denmark has actually a public transport in Denmark has been a success at is this cooperation nationwide. We have different examples of that. Flex Denmark here is one of them. We also have a nationwide ticketing system, which is also quite unique in a European and a worldwide context. Yeah, talk uh, about that just a minute, because that's pretty that is unique. So you mm-hmm. could it's the same fairing system in any of the transit well, it's not systems. Not necessarily the same fairing system, okay. but we're we're looking to utilize or somehow unify that as well. But the essential part of it is that you have a smart card system, think the London Oyster model, basically yes. here on the nationwide scale, which is quite unique. So uh, I can go to Copenhagen and use the same smart card as I'm using up here. Now you are in the best city of Denmark, which is, of course, Aalborg. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> the smart card that you use up here is the same smart card that you would use in Copenhagen. That's correct. That's amazing. That's mm-hmm. a really good model that produces the ability for people to move from city to city without having to get a different fare card for each one. That's great. So you were you were saying that's some of the cooperative models that are happening here? That's one of them. The other one is uh, the nationwide travel system that we have as well called Isoplan, which is similar the different the different actors, sort of say, in the, in the public transport system in Denmark, saying that, hey, rather than doing our own thing, should we say cooperation here and we might end up with, as I said before, two plus two equals five rather right. than four. Right. So, um, that's great. And so, Pierre, where do you see this... It's continuing to evolve, right? The services that you're providing and the uh, the flexibility. Where are you going in the near future? Are you going to add any new accoutrements to what you're already doing here or just try to do it better? <laughs> we try to do it better, of course. Uh, we have developed this business for about 25 years. And now we have uh, about uh, a quarter of a billion uh, returning customers uh, a year, which we provide services for through the PTAs. And uh, I think we can do it better if we... Uh, have a, the possibility to, to use data more or get more data from services, which we do not have today. So uh, what's happening is that when we see uh, the traffic which is evolving, we need to get those data more fast to react or to get the system to react. Yes. Because one of, of the main issues is, is, of course, the cost of manual handling. And manual handling is uh, taking the phone uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, to guide driver or uh, anything like that. And there's a lot of incoming calls. We have about uh, 1 million calls a year, incoming and outgoing, uh, to manage all these destinations and mm-hmm. passengers, as we prefer to, to call them. Yeah. So the more you can automate, the lower your costs are. Although, I've got to tell you, your costs already are very low, I think, in comparison to demand response services around the world. In the United States... Let's use Baltimore, where I was CEO for a while. Our paratransit service, where we'd have a very similar door-to-door service as what you're doing here, might be $45 per trip. And your average here is about 27 euros a trip. Is that right? The average cost per trip, that's the numbers we were talking about in there mm. at round figures. It is already very, um, very advantageous cost-wise, I think, the way you're blending it and, um, and coordinating services better. Mm. But you're also working now, you told me, on not just doing door-to-door service, but maybe picking people up and getting them to transit, right? Yeah, but I think, again, cost-wise, you also have to look at, as Pierre said, this is probably one of the only DRT systems as such that has really been scaled up to this. Many of the DRT systems that you see across the world today, very exciting, new models popping up. But, yes. but this is already due to this being around for, for 20-odd years at a scale with right. 6 million trips yes. per year. 15,000 trips a day is a big system. you also have a relatively large portfolio to sort of scale from and, and utilize economies of scale in that sense. And, and yes, I think as I said before, 
some of the flexible uh, on-demand service that we have are really point-to-point services, but increasingly we are also looking to introduce new services. And, and one of those services, basically a last-mile services also that is provided through Flex Denmark here, basically where people are being picked up from, from their doorstep and transported into the main network as such. That could be a train station, that could be an allocated bus station, etc. basically just to get a flow from people's home in through a main system and to their final destination. Again, here to especially cater for the rural segment, which we, in, especially in, in our region here, is a vital part, a vital part of customers that we have to service. So in a sense, would you call this a nationwide mobility as a service program? Because you're using multiple providers, providing mobility, and people can book through an app, right? Just like... Uh, Right now, people can book their trips online, right, through an app on their phone? Or? I think it's, 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 it's always very difficult, and it's almost been a cliche to think about mobility as a service, and it's become a buzzword that everybody yes. throws around left yes. and right and center, and there's a lot of meaning to that word as well, and a lot of interpretations That's of right. what it's mobility not, as not a all service clear, is. Yeah. So whether or not it is or not, I don't think I want to say yes or no, Okay. but I think the way we see it is really it's an on-demand system that works and that is delivering. And especially here is a nationwide system as well. So showing the cooperation, which I think will also be crucial when you speak about mobility as a service for the future. And then crucial here is that rather than have a standalone on-demand system, it's also a system that increasingly integrates with mass transport system, which I think is also quite unique, a testament of the success of the Danish public transport system. Yes. And, And maybe we should flesh that out just a little bit, Thomas. So you and I were talking earlier about where, where all this is going worldwide, you know, we're, we're kind of, public transportation has had, has had so many new innovations in the last few years. I think we're one of the most innovative services right now outside of the medical field, almost anywhere. There's so many new things happening from electrification of vehicles to autonomous shuttles, which you all have some here in Denmark as well, I hear, to the bikes, the scooters, to blending it all together. Where do you think we're going here in Denmark and worldwide? What is the model for cities and countries to effectively provide public transportation and serve more people well? I'm not going to say what the model is going to look like for the future. I think that's, that would be a wild guess. And I think right now what you see is a lot of interesting new models popping up, yes. being tested, some fail, some are trying to scale, etc. But there's a lot of interesting things going on right now, which is positive. And I think the developments we're going to see within public transport as a whole over the next five, 10 years is probably going to be four or five times what we've seen in the last 30 years. And I think that's an an interesting time as such. But I think one of the crucial aspects of it will be integration. So how the different models will integrate cooperation, et cetera, between the different ones. So integration, both at a PTA operator level, but also integration in relation to what the customer needs. So they feel they have a seamless journey through those different providers, system, et cetera, which they shake hand with, so to say. Do you think the future is hand in glove with the private sector? I mean, here in uh, Denmark, you were telling me that your fixed route services are basically mostly contracted out as well. Is that right? To private companies? 
Yeah, and I think the thing here in Denmark, 98, 99% of all bus services are subject to public procurement or public tender. And that has been a model that has been in use for 20, 20-odd years as well. Yes. Uh, That's not the way it is, as you know, in the United States. Paratransit services contracted out, but most fixed route bus service, uh, 80% of it is done by public sector employees. Mm. Some cities like Denver and Austin, they contract out some of their fixed route, but most of it's not. But in Europe, England, uh, France, elsewhere, it is this model, isn't it? Of- yeah, but even in a European context, you will find different models. Even even the Scandinavian model will probably be equal to the one you would know from, from London, for example. But yes. if in the UK, you go to the regions, it's a whole different model again. So even in a European context, it's different. They have different models. speak about one model. Yes. But I think what will be important going forward is that this positive thing that we have in Denmark with private sector, public sector cooperating. Yes. I think that will also be a crucial thing about uh, how you're going to succeed in the future on this. That's good. What do you think, having as the CEO pair of of this Flex Denmark, which I can see being a model, by the way, not just for your country, but for my country, uh, United States, of the, there's several facets of it that we really need to work on in the United States. Combining demand response services with one provider, not having different vans all go to the same place, overseeing last mile services. My buddy uh, in Kansas City has something that he's called Ride KC Freedom, which is similar to what you have. It's door-to-door demand response service for anyone, not just for people with disabilities or elderly. But that's not the model around many other places in the U.S. Where do you see, um, what do you think the future holds? Do you have any, uh, based on, even if you're not going to say what it's going to be, what does it consist of? Like he gave us a few factors he thought that it's going to need to be. Well, you're going to have some some market drivers, like you do in, in transportation at all. You have when Tesla use uh, a lot of power to, to make electrical vehicles. You see that the market will, will bend towards the vehicles because they have invested and they have uh, exposed the market. In transportation, uh, I think the public transportation is a market driver to change. Also, the cooperation with the private public will uh, make a lot of uh, results. Maybe you will see a lot of uh, distant regional traffic initiatives because in Denmark, as well as in the US, you have a lot of time spent on the highways. Yes. Uh, and a lot of people, they just sit and they waste their time. That's right. Basically. Yeah. They can listen to my podcast, but other than that, it's a waste. <laughs> So hopefully, I, uh, in some time, we'll see a lot of services replacing the traffic on the highways. And why not using an existing existing system, which is work, working uh, perfectly? Very good. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations on the success of Flex Denmark. Thank you for spending the afternoon with us, kind of explaining to us how it all works and how it's so well integrated. Are you aware of anywhere else in the world where you've got five major transit systems cooperating in the way you all are doing, or is this kind of unique? In these times where sharing sharing is the thing, as we say here, sharing is caring. So uh, That's a great way to close it out. Sharing is caring. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for being with us and continued success on the great model you've set up here in Denmark. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for being part of this special edition of Transit Unplugged, focused on mobility innovations from around the world. Each quarter in the year 2019 will bring you a special edition focused on these innovations. And Travis Nepper, my colleague at Trapeze, will also be assisting me in these programs. We look forward to having you listen and get best practices from around the nation and the world of how you can improve your mobility by using innovation. Thanks again. You've been listening to Transit Unplugged, powered by Trapeze Group. To stay up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play. Or join the conversation at transitunplugged.com. 
Thanks for listening.